We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parham. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this Thursday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parham, Neil McCready, Jeffrey Wright joining us momentarily on the Campbell Clinic Hotline, as he does every single Thursday. Talk some college basketball. Upset in Lexington last night. Florida Gators knock off Kentucky. Had uh, quite the overtime game in the Big Ten. Purdue and Northwestern. Chris Collins very frustrated by free throw discrepancy. Going to ask Jeffrey about some wrestling. Got some football stuff going on. That and more coming up on today's show. Show brought to you every day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. As we told you yesterday, it's not just Oxford. It's all over Mississippi. It's up and down I-55. It's throughout North Mississippi as well. If you see a Blue Sky location, that is affiliated with the uh, Oxford Exxon. Obviously, a blue, blue blue sky location here in Oxford. They got their big superstore going up in Macomb right now. Beer cave, lunch specials, and much more. Not far away from the Super Bowl. We'll have some ribs and pork uh, specials for you for that event. <coughs> Sorry about that. With uh, catering options for the Super Bowl and more. And again, coming to you from the Clark Ford studio. We are Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. Do with it as you will. You can shop it around, of course. That's your prerogative. Or you can do what I've done several times now, what I recommend that you do. And that's hop into a Clark Ford today. People at Clark Ford, they want to be your car guy. They want to be your truck guy. They'll prove to you what that means when you make the call. 662-257-1900. Jeffrey Wright, all other guests join on the Campbell Clinic hotline. The Campbell Clinic's in Oxford now, 2608 South Lamar Boulevard, Suite 102. Just across the street from the cottages at Hooper Hollow. I was trying to combine that word. The uh, Campbell Clinic provides full-service orthopedic care. Everything from sports medicine to foot and ankle surgery to spine, total total joint care, pediatric orthopedics, physical therapy, and more. To book an appointment, go to CampbellClinicOxford.com or call 901-759-3111. Walk-ins always welcome at the Campbell Clinic, Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. 
side the SEC last night, uh, the the game of the night, Mr. McCready, your uh, your Florida Gators knocked off uh, Kentucky in overtime. There, Todd Golden oh, getting the win at uh at Rupp. I, a lot of composure from them because I, I kind of called it. I guess about 10 minutes left, and it was inside a five-point game. I don't know the exact score when I turned it on and, and got pretty invested the rest of the way. Found myself pulling for Florida for some reason I'm not aware of. But, again, as we always talk about, you watch a game, you have a team that you sort of go, yeah, I'd rather them win. And that's sort of where I was uh, where I was sitting as that thing played out. And, I, I mean, I know, I know it's something we've talked about all the time, but I just keep coming back to it. Kentucky should be better than this they are a lot of the time and then they just no show I mean it just considering the talent and everything else and with you know with some of his teams he actually has some experience and and in college basketball nobody has continuity over a three or four year period I'm not making today's podcast about Kentucky basketball but I was watching that I thought yes Florida has a high ceiling when they are playing well and then two this Calipari and Kentucky thing just feels played out, but we have the same thing over and over and over and over again. You know, so many of his Kentucky players go to the NBA and play at a higher level in the NBA than they ever did at Kentucky that you start to wonder if, and I'm not going to pretend to be enough of a basketball expert to break this down, right? I mean, if, if I were sitting in a room with Chris Beard and, I don't know, Todd Golden and Andy Kennedy, and, and I'd keep my mouth closed. Yeah, sure. Because I don't know that I know how to articulate what it is that I see. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I see something because I watch a lot of NBA. I watch a lot of other college basketball. I see something, but I don't really know how to describe it. It'd be like football where you're looking at something schematically and you're like, that looks different, but I don't really know enough to – explain it to you the difference in wines or whatever you you taste a wine that's better than another wine but you don't really know how to describe it without sounding like a douche so you just keep your mouth closed there's something about what Kentucky does offensively and I don't know how to describe it but it looks like it's past its time it's a little archaic I think they're easy to defend. Now, I know they scored a bunch of points last night. The game went to overtime, blah, blah, blah. But there's something about what they do that makes me think that they're easier to defend. And then over time, I just think the league, it's not that the league is great. I'm not going to be that guy because I hate that guy. If you watched any of Missouri and Arkansas last night, you don't come away going, this league is awesome top to bottom. If you watched Vanderbilt last night, you don't come away going, I tell you what, man, anybody can beat anybody in this league. No, that's crap. But there's enough quality in the league that Kentucky doesn't just win by rolling the ball out anymore. And it's it's arguably the second best league in the country, and they have made an investment that was spurred on by the commissioner, and it has paid off in spades to make what you're talking about true. Yeah, night night in and night out, the league's pretty good. It's not great every time. There, I'm not sure there's I'm not sure there's a great team in college basketball. Um, but the SEC has a handful of teams that can beat you on any given night. You just saw a couple of them in Oxford last week. I mean, the earlier this week. But I don't know what Kentucky's deal is. He doesn't get he doesn't maximize his talent. They were down a couple of guys yesterday. I think Florida's pretty good. 
But those are the losses that are maddening to that fan base. And I don't know what happens with Calipari. They owe him so much money that I don't know how you can legitimately just fire him. But they look like another Kentucky team that's not going to go super far in the tournament. And if they don't, that fan base is just at some point going to melt down because that they expect Final Fours, and they don't look to be a Final Four team. How about those Tigers, Jeffrey? I mean, Memphis, good God. Yeah, I mean, this is this is one of those situations where this fan base is always overly dramatic. Real quick, back. Memphis lost to Rice last night for anyone under a rock. So they've been over, they're always over dramatic. And this is one of those ones where I'd kind of chosen like, hey, you know, they lost, they lost three games in a row, but there was really only one truly bad loss in it. The other two were kind of understandable. Losing to USF at home when you had a 20 point lead, it's a non, it's a, it's just a horrific loss. But they went to Tulane, which is a tough place to play, and they got beat at the last minute. All right. It's college basketball. And then AK had a Super Bowl. They went down and and they got popped. And so, like, two of those losses are understandable. And so you kind of take the perspective of while everyone else is just kind of losing their minds, being like, it's college basketball. Teams have bad losses. Look all around. There's there's no words for, for what happened to them yesterday. Like, that is that is such a bad loss that I don't even know how to contextualize it. What is Rice in the net? They're like 260? Uh, so I didn't look net. Ken Palm, they were 219. 219. So it's the worst loss for Penny. I'm sorry, 226 in KP, although I assume they went up after yesterday. 207 uh, this morning, Jeffrey. So they went up. That shows you how bad they were. They went up 19 spots. Um, The two previous worst losses for Penny were at East Carolina one year, and then at Georgia, I think Creens last year, those losses still were not as bad. A, those teams were not ranked as poorly in Ken Palm as Rice was yesterday. And those two games, like, to a certain degree, you can understand, they were on the road. This was a home loss last night. I, I don't, he had no answers. He, uh, Penny's gone full Hugh. Uh, it's a lot of, you know, uh, we even had, instead of the Hugh, he came to see me in my office. Penny started doing, you should see my text messages, what the guys are saying to him. Like, it is, it's scary to me how many, like, how much similarities there are of when it's going bad between Hugh and Penny. There was a quote he gave last night. I think I saw Calkins with it where he, yeah, he, he said they're being coached correctly. He didn't know what's going on. No, Penny's a key, Penny's a real big, <laughs> we had a good plan. Really good plan. I don't know. Really good plan. Really good plan. It's 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 the hue. <laughs> I mean, I, I I was reading. I went, huh? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Here it is. Uh, the quote again. We're being we're we're being taught the right stuff, but we're not doing it. That no, was the and there's after losses. He is a big game plan. Was good. Well, so, uh, for 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 Ole Miss fans, not going to be a quad one win when you got them in the pavilion. That, that that's over. Might not be a quad two win at this point. <laughs> uh, Dennis Gates did that last night. I read I read a Dennis Gates quote this morning about, you know, in practice, we do everything right. Mm -hmm. just, for whatever reason, it doesn't carry over to the game. I'm like, well, Dennis, my guy, 
Listen, I, I, I'm matters happy. is the games. You're in the scoreboard business, champ. I, I'm happy to talk about this all y'all want, but I really want to discuss my favorite story of the year. I don't even care if it's true, but the Homo Hogs has captured the imagination and the hearts and minds of everyone in college basketball. <laughs> Are you able to hit this at all on your radio show? So I didn't. I didn't think <laughs> we could, but apparently Jason and John did yesterday. Oh, you saw that as like a light bulb moment. Didn't oh you? my god! Oh yeah, let's. It's on. This is so my, how do you? How do you? I have so many questions. A, it's yeah, how do you dance? Sport. How do you dance around it? Because you don't. You don't know. You don't know. I mean, like, like I'll be honest. I think based on a couple of conversations that at least most of it is true. There's way you have to admit this. If you were on the beat, there's way too much smoke around it to sit there and ignore it. And act like there's no way. Well, you know, we had this conversation. Yeah, we were discussing this yesterday. So I I was asking myself yesterday, and I feel a little more confident today than I did this time yesterday. Yesterday, yesterday was a big one. When when you got the what? what, uh, Somebody, I gotta. You should have seen the replies. One of the beat writers wrote that they're out with resting. I gotta, I gotta see. The replies were incredible. (laughs) Well, when two players don't play. And they, they don't really to play. <laughs> and they don't really explain why. I mean, it's not like, hey, somebody's torn his ACL or someone broke an ankle. It's like, you know, like I watched the Thunder last night. You knew Jalen Williams didn't play because he turned his ankle, and you'd seen him turn his ankle. Isaiah Joe didn't play because he had a, a bruised sternum. And you saw the play the night before where he gets, you know, in a train wreck with Anthony Edwards. And you're like, well, I can see that, you know. So when they don't play, you're like, I get it. When those guys don't play, and you're like, well, why not? And you're like, well, rest or whatnot. It's like, okay, so this is true, right? Well, and then, my alarms went off the Ole Miss game. Well, that's – well, here's the he thing. he sat out with a migraine. And I, my first thought, though, was, oh, he's just – we got an extreme case of Poseidus. But yeah. that that was weird. I had someone tell me yesterday that this whole thing sort of – uh reached its apex in, in Oxford. Pun intended? Well, I, I used a different word. I started to use a different word. Yeah, yeah. No, no, apex no, 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 is no, a safer word. Jackson apex Collier. is safer. Jackson Collier. Arkansas will be without Devo Davis and uh, Trevon Brazil, according to Chuck Barrett on the pregame radio show. Not Dob, uh, Bobalina, knee management. <laughs> I, I mean, look, Brazil got hurt last year with his knee. This is the thing, right? Journalistically, all seriousness for a second. Brazil tore his ACL a year ago. And so when you come back and go, well, it's not his knee this time. It's like, But what if? Look, do I think it's his knee? Probably not. But what if it is? I mean, not. we cover Ole Miss, guys. A guy tears his ACL at Ole Miss. It, there's, it lingers for a decade. Yeah. So. You know, I mean, you can't just go, oh, emphatically, no, 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 it's been 14 months. His knee's fine. I I don't know that. But, like, Devo Davis just leaves the team in January? A guy who's been there forever just leaves their team? You're like, come on, I got some questions, Eric. And then what you hear from people on that beat who are pretty informed is that Musselman really wants out. And – 
his wife does the thing yesterday about their child and all that stuff. And it's, there's a lot there. And I, it's so bad that I'd heard this job. Tell me if you buy this, he's willing to take Minnesota. Well, so here's what I heard yesterday. And I'm going to be careful with this because this is, this is, I'm not on that beat and I'm not, I'm not sourced. But there's one particular family that is big with their basketball NIL that has basically turned on him, that he's lost that support and he probably can't get it back. And if he can't get that back, he's not going to be able to recruit at the top level of the portal the way that that he's been able to in the past. And if he can't do that, he can't win in this league. I don't care who you are, how good of a coach you are. If you don't have the players, you have no chance. I don't care how good of a coach you are. I don't. I just don't care. You can't win at the top levels if you don't have players. And so, I agree. It is. It is a players' league first and foremost. But like, it's the whole thing about this story that like captures like. Does Kelvin not like him? Did Kelvin not give him a heads up? Like, there's there's so many elements of this story that I just love. Yeah, it's like. One of the players involved in this, supposedly, that was one of the key reasons that he left where he was. Correct. That there was. And it, by the way, it was always weird with him at Houston before he left. But then there's, here's the plausible deniability, and I'm not playing that. I told you, I, I think I believe it. But plausible deniability is he knew if he stayed at Houston that he would never be the main guy, and he wanted to go someplace where he could put the ball in his hands at the end of games and prove that he's an NBA player. So I, you, you, how do you ask? I mean, how do you, as a seriously as a media member, how do you in your press conference with Eric Musselman, how do you say so, coach? I don't think you can do it at a presser, right? No, you have to, yeah, you have to do it. The, it's got to be the most one-on-one thing. Go, Eric, come on! I, and you, you probably and, and you probably can't get that right now. They're, you, you, those those are probably completely eliminated. Yeah, I mean, Maybe you, you guys know how hard it is to get a one-on-one here. I mean, seriously. No. But there's so not one I, member of the local media in four seasons that has gotten a one-on-one with with Lane Giffen. No, I, I get that. Usually, though, there's always some like when you're a beat writer like that, you're usually decently close with an assistant or somebody that's with them every day. And there's usually someone that you can at least. Hey, tell me if I'm completely barking up the wrong tree. Like, help me out here. You know, like, here's, here's like, 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 well, I mean, I guess with AK it was different because you could have just asked AK. But like, yeah, AK would have told like, you, like Bill was for a lot of people. Bill Armstrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, here's the thing, and here's where the pushback would come, and and I'm not sure it's not somewhat valid. In today's media environment, the pushback would be, hey, this kind of thing happens in women's sports all the time, and nobody says anything. Nobody makes it a big story. But another reason why I love the story, though, is the the college basketball media leans even more left than any, like, it's it's like NBA-type media. Yeah. And so watching them squirm with the story is just, it's delicious. It's it's I love this is my favorite story in like five years. 
Oh, I'm I'm completely with you. It's a shame from a story standpoint that they're horrible and that they're going to be yeah. out of the, they're going to be out of the SEC tournament by that worst the second night. They'll be gone and they're not making the NCAA tournament and Musselman's going to leave and all that stuff. So the story will just disappear and they'll be like, "Whoo, we'll move on to the tournament and how great it is." But it's it's still a really that to me the juxtaposition of this involving a men's sport and not and and no one knows what to do with it as opposed to a women's sport where everybody goes, oh, yeah, it happens all the time. I think it's si as simple as because in a women's sport, it happens all the time. And in a men's sport, it doesn't really. It's not to say that there's never been gay guys like do the odds like it has to be. Yeah, no, no, no. Publicly to this nature. Not well, I mean, I talked to that a would be, I, I that would be very naive. I was talking to another beat writer yesterday who covers an SEC school, not Ole Miss or Arkansas. And we were talking about this story. And he said, hey, this happened on the basketball team that he covers several yeah. years ago. And he's like, everybody around it pretty much knew it, but nobody ever wrote anything. He was like, there actually was a it, – it culminated in a in – a, Incident? A law enforcement incident where there were arrests. Yeah. And it still just kind of got covered up because nobody really knew how to write it. No one really knew whether they even had an appetite for it, if you will. No, and yeah, I think because I mean, ethically, you're you're dishing out personal information that you wouldn't do in a normal, like anything to do yeah. with a normal relationship. I mean, it, it would be gray at best from an ethical standpoint. Yeah, I mean, and you get this kind of thing all the time where somebody slept with somebody's girlfriend or That's something. That's what I like mean. Yeah, that, that stuff happens, and we, we don't think anything of it. We're like, yeah, you know, drama. The Derrick Rose. Yeah, I mean, so this is it's. I mean, they're they're down at least two players and maybe three. It's pretty interesting. Well, I mean, I, I mean, well, on this beat, we had a cover up of a player punching another player two years ago, for the first yeah. couple of days until we put it out there. Yeah, and that was just a punch. Did the Stringfellow fight, did that get covered up? What? Remember when DeMaurier beat the hell out of somebody in the alley? That, I, I think don't that remember got that. Up. I don't even yeah, remember I think that. it got covered up. And it was like like right before either the Alabama game. It was early in the season. Rod Taylor's boxing match became public. Yeah. And then, and then I see him breaking his jaw because he got punched. I mean that they is the other with us about the boxing match. They were they were mad at us for that. Oh we really? Were, yeah, we were we were bad rebels. Oh, uh, I don't I didn't remember that. Hmm. I think I was still there on that one. I think we were all bad rebels. Yeah. We we okay. become we'd become really bad rebels by the end by the by the middle part of twenty sixteen. Um you should have seen Jeff me in twenty eleven. You want to talk about a bad <laughs> rebel? Woo! <laughs> There's a, lot um, of There's a lot of rebels out there that would consider you a hero at that point, though. Jeffrey, you, uh, Neil and I were both talking about Florida-Kentucky a minute ago, right, when you were coming on. Did, did you yeah. watch the Big Ten game last night? I mean, what, was is there justification in Chris Collins, or was he just pissed off? He, get, he gets ejected last night with 1.7 seconds left in overtime. The Wildcats lost 105-96 to uh, Purdue and Zach Eady. 
and overtime in West Lafayette, and he is uh, quite pissed off about a free throw discrepancy that was forty six to eight last night, including uh, I mean Bowie for Northwestern not shooting one at all, and it is the second most second highest discrepancy in twenty five years, dating back to when they started checking these type of things. Five justification, like to be clear. Bring this back. Like, I'm so sick of the Sabinization of coaching where everything has just become just so milk toast, so buttoned up. Give me some color. Like, this is this was awesome. This was like a throwback yeah. to like this was like a Bobby Knight type move. And it's awesome. It's part of the reason why I love the Hurleys. They're like psychopaths, but in the best way. Like they just they're unhinged. It's awesome. And it makes it so much more enjoyable. I mean, is there the, like, like, is there like a legitimate justification for like basically attacking the ref at the end of the game? Probably <laughs> not. At the same time, am I upset that I saw it? No, I'm not. Well, here's the thing: is a, a couple things to this is okay. I, I, I somehow I ran across a bunch of Purdue apologists on the internet, and it, I guess it was spurred by Greg Doyle um, writing his. Puff piece column after the game about the about the Bullet Purdue Breakers. basketball. Uh, Purdue basketball is actually pretty active on the uh, the old yeah. Twitter X. So, yes, is it true that Northwestern and most teams are going to kind of hack a shack on Zach Ed and foul the hell out of him? Yes, Collins had said before the game we basically have fifteen fouls to give and we're going to try to foul him before he shoots and all that kind of stuff and whatever. Northwestern is also a jump shooting team. They shoot a ton of threes. They are not a team that gets in the lane and gets to do a bunch of free throws. At the same time, when you get a whistle that starts calling a bunch of reach-in, ticky-tack stuff on Northwestern, then in addition to what they are doing defensively, it creates a really strange environment because the, all the Purdue apologists kept going, no, 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 it's just Edie, Edie, Edie. Purdue shot 29 free throws that were not Zach Edie. It was a complete one-way whistle the entire night where I think all the officials were just dictated. Like, they basically were in their minds went, oh, you have this really physical team and this really finesse team, and by God, if they breathe on them, we're going to call a foul right now. Well, it's it's one of the big problems with college basketball. And if you, you know, when you watch a ton of college basketball, you realize early so many games. I'm not going to say all of them but a large portion of games are largely dictated by how games officiated. And it yep. seems to me based on everything that you just said, those officials came into the game and said, all right, we're not going to let this get out of hand. And the irony is more times than that, when you start calling a game like that, that's when games get out of hand. It's why people get frustrated at me and probably you too. When I'm, not just goo-goo over college basketball. It's because if you also watch a lot of NBA, and you and I both do, NBA officials aren't perfect, not by any stretch of the imagination. It's impossible. But the games have so much more consistency and flow at the NBA level than they do the college level. And it's not just the shooting and the ball handling. It's the whistle. It's just constant. And it's like, look, I think South Carolina won the other night because Tennessee got a horrible whistle. I mean, every time Tennessee's a physical team, and every time they breathed on somebody, it was a call. And they got in foul trouble. They couldn't play their usual rotation, whatever. Credit to South Carolina. They got the win. But a lot of that 
a lot of that game was determined by the officials. You don't see that as often in the NBA, maybe occasionally with some superstar treatment, but for the most part, games are officiated pretty well. The college level, it's just inconsistent. There will be a night where they let them play, and everybody goes, God, that was so much fun. And the very next night, those two teams can play each other with a different crew, and it's just a free throw game. And, and, and nobody enjoys those. Completely agree. The first, when you were talking about the first word that comes to mind is just there's so many college basketball games that you watch where there's just no flow. And honestly, you feel like you're just watching like a bad high school game. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just there. Yep. Stop, start. I, it's where I give the crew credit for as intense of a game as that was on Tuesday night. And that was a physical game, too. I felt like they did a pretty good job because the game felt like it had some flow to it. It was a good watch. I agree. I went back and watched it. I've now watched it in its entirety. And I realized the call on, on the Morell foul at the end was egregious. He he anticipated he made a bad call. Ball don't lie, all that stuff. But I thought for the most part, and again, you have to understand that a bunch of guys in their 30s and 40s running up and down the floor with really fit 19 and 20-year-olds are going to miss calls. You're not going to get a perfect call. You, so well, if it's, you're, also, it's also three on 10. Yeah, so if you're nitpicking, if you're nitpicking the game, yes, you're going to find all sorts of stuff to get all worked up about. But I think for the most part, and, and it kind of bore out in the stat sheet, I thought both teams got a pretty fair whistle. Again, if, you, if you're looking for something with your maroon glasses or your red and blue glasses, you can absolutely find it. But over the course of the game, I agree with you, they kind of let them play. The game had flow. The game had some runs. It was it was a fun watch. Like you said, that was a really fun game. It was the reason that national people like Billis and Goodman and all of them talked about that game it was because that game was super watchable. Well, and the way that I look at it is because I, I saw you'd, you'd, you wrote about the stat sheet and I, I agreed with everything that you wrote because the whole time I'm watching that game, I'm like, how is Ole Miss winning this game? But the way that I look at it is both teams down the stretch had the ball with a chance to make a play to win the game. Like, I, I don't feel like the officials, like, like you said, there's the whole Morrell thing. I do think he kind of swiped him. That was, we had seen so much less call. That was but whatever. Like, I just kind of felt like the team that hit the biggest shots down the stretch won the game. And I felt like, that's all you can really ask for officials. Like, I don't feel like they dictated the outcome of the game because part of what we're talking about that is so frustrating from college basketball is even if, even though I don't believe officials are fixing the outcome, it feels like they are dictating. They're dictating how the yes. game's going to go. And that's where I think you get frustrated. This podcast is brought to you by Better Help. A common misconception about relationships is they have to be easy to be right. Sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a great place to work through the challenges and face in all of your relationships, whether it's with friends, work with significant others, or really anyone. When you put that work in, great things can happen in those relationships. BetterHelp is a an awesome way to do that because, you know, maybe you talk to people who have preconceived notions, family members, they're emotional about topics. This is somebody just for you. 
They can help you. If you don't like who it is, you can switch providers. You can find somebody else. You can do all these different things with BetterHelp to get the help you need. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Design can be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Find a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And again, switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com MPW today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash M-P-W. Yeah, because yeah, one or two fouls can dictate pace the rest of the way. I mean, that's the, yeah, I was thinking as you guys were talking, and I mean, from covering it, and I mean, I'll give this from the media angle. I could kind of see the floor better the other night, and the entire game, three fouls were probably a little off that changed some sort of pace, and in an entire college basketball game, that's really good. You got Morrell. You got it. There was a first half foul on Tulu that kind of hurt him and put him into the bench for a minute and affected state. And then it was either the first or second foul on CSA that sent him to the bench in the first six minutes that was kind of just a standing there foul. And otherwise, yeah, but, no, it, it was well done. Well, the two guys that the two guys, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the two guys that I felt like dealt with foul trouble the most were Flanagan and Tulu. Well, Flanagan earned at least three of his four yeah, yeah, yeah. that I was watching, and Tulu earned three of his four. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I don't know. It's a weird sport right now because maybe this is just... I, I'm, I'm forgetting because of pandemic but it's like i do not remember the road 
dictating so much of how the whole season's going to go. I mean, I like what's the stat? 37 teams that are ranked in the top 10 have lost at home to unranked teams. I mean, it does feel like even there's some oh. evidence to suggest that that the road the road has become or that the, the to me it's I guess the biggest difference is when I from what I've watched so far barring injuries if someone wins this thing other than Houston or Yukon cuz yeah. I still I'm still in the mode of I'll believe it when I'll see it, when I see it with you Purdue I've been here before yeah a, a few times if someone wins it other than those two teams I'm going to be surprised but then it's like I guess maybe this is kind of where college football is too it's like the t- the the mush between like five and 40, right, Neil? What do you think? Yeah. Oh, I agree completely. Like, I might put Kansas in that mix, but, and they play in a really tough league. That weird, but Kansas has got the weird thing because I've watched them. They have a 10 minute stretch where you're like, oh, this is the best team. Yeah. And they'll have 10 minute stretches where you're like, this team sucks. Not well, like, like, oh, like, like the, they the, suck. The team coming to Oxford on Saturday at home. I, they're a they're 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 on. I mean, they if they could play the whole NCAA tournament at Auburn, I might bet on them. Yeah, I mean they are they are a tough out at home. They are really good. And I mean that as a compliment. I mean, give credit to Bruce what he's been able to do from an atmosphere standpoint. You can't get a ticket there. I mean, if you if you want a road ticket to an Auburn game, you better know a player. You better be able to get one of the will call tickets that players get or whatever because you're not getting in. And that's a credit to them. It's not a, This is not an insult. That being said, when they play away from Auburn, they're not the same team at all. It's why I think Saturday is going to be really interesting because if you watched the game when Ole Miss played at Auburn, you're like, hey, man, these two teams, they're night and day different. I mean, Auburn's going to smoke them. Auburn's got rebounding advantages. Auburn can play in transition. They can play in the half court. They, they're going to give Ole Miss fits, blah, blah, blah. And all those things are true, but Ole Miss at home is a completely different team than the team that goes on the road. At home, they play with confidence. They play with swagger. They feed off the crowd. They shoot, um, they shoot it so much better. I mean, for whatever reason, they they like shooting in the pavilion compared to other places. Um, I mean, I don't know what the line is or if the line's out yet, but like I think Ole Miss has a shot Saturday. And if this game were at Auburn, I'd be like, that's an L. But I think they have a shot at home. And I've had some people say that it is somewhat pandemic-related and it's AAU-related. These guys play a lot of basketball kind of in empty gyms. They, you know, and, and they're not they're not used to playing in an environment where everybody's against them. And sometimes some teams feed off that and it bothers some teams. And then I think some some home teams just get so much extra juice off their home crowd that when they play away from it, they're just not the same club. Yeah, and I mean, we we also do see this even at the NBA level, like in the playoffs, yeah. you have the whole role, role players play better at home. And that's why, you know, home court advantage even in the NBA playoffs is such a a massive advantage. I think it kind of makes sense also in these, like if you just think about it kind of like in these terms, so many teams are putting together rosters on the fly. When they go on the road, 
communication's probably not as sound. You know what I mean? Like you don't know where yeah. everyone's going to be. Yeah. Uh, you can also see where like you go on the road, it kind of starts working against you. It's kind of the AAU mindset, like, eh, whatever. We got a game tomorrow. Like just kind of move on. Like I do think there's probably some psychological elements that kind of make sense with the nature of where we are. Yeah. You know, in the NBA, the road is a different thing because like the team is playing the second half of a back-to-back. It's a road game. They landed in Denver at 3 a.m. They had a shoot around at 10. They're tired. You can see it in their legs. Game gets away in the second quarter, and they're like, ah, screw it. I mean, you know, it's this is a schedule loss. We'll just take it. You see that in the NBA all the time. But at the college level, I think it's more like what you're talking about. It's just – it's – it's not even about toughness. It's just – one team really feeds off the crowd, and I do think you're right. I do think there's a lot of these guys have grown up playing tons of AAU where, all right, we lose at 10 a.m., we'll play again at 4. It'll be all right. And and by the time you – it takes a long time to kind of work a team through that mindset and to play with with uh, with tough – like you saw it with Alabama yesterday. Alabama goes to Georgia. They were down like oh, man, I thought they were gonna get, I thought they were going to get run out of the gym. Then you look up, like, they covered? Yeah, they covered. I mean, like to me yesterday of all the teams, and we're some 40 minutes into a show and we're just now mentioning, I thought that was the most impressive thing yesterday. Mike's done a good job at Georgia. They play hard. And Bama could have easily gone, ah, well, you know, a road loss. And they didn't. They, man, they really grinded the last eight, nine minutes of that game. And they looked, they they were impressive. Like that. that's a, that's a team that nobody really talks about. And if the tournament were seeded today, Bama's probably a two seed, maybe a three. They're, they're, they're legit. And when Nelson makes three-pointers, he's one of the better players in the league. They were a three. There's, there's, and there's a reason everybody – Yesterday. Yeah, there's a reason that everybody recruited Grant Nelson out of North Dakota or North Dakota State or wherever he was. Everybody went after him. That's the other thing about the SEC. I mean, you – Tennessee's got a kid that was from what Northern Colorado that's like taking the league by storm, and Bama's got a kid from North Dakota. I mean, the whole recruiting thing out of high school is not exactly science. Yeah, Alabama eighty-five seventy-six over Georgia, and then the game you alluded to earlier, Arkansas ninety-one eighty-four. They were up twenty in the first half, but they went ninety-one eighty-four. Um, Auburn at home spiked. Spank Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt now 0-7 in the SEC. A couple things uh, for uh, Jeffrey. You gotta go. I'm going to ask you a wrestling question in a minute. But uh, first, right. they did. Uh, the judge dropped the DeSanto Rollins suit. That is not a shock at all. Um, that was what? Steve Robertson was surprised. Was Steve says really? he gets out of the case, yeah. Oh, uh, well, sorry. Um, yeah, they claimed that there was uh, not enough merit for whatever punitive damages were being sought in uh, in that case against the the rebels in Lane. Uh, Jeffrey, by demand, they uh, wanted me to ask you about Vince McMahon. He obviously uh, dealing with some legal stuff now after uh, the WWE in the last month or so was sold to Netflix. We talked about that, all the different things going on with that. Uh, I, I guess my question to you to open the conversation is – a man who's been a cultural icon for decades. I mean, all jokes aside, I mean, it's it's 100% true. Built the business that is the case. We're just kind of what's his, what's his legacy right now? What's going on in the in the actual present? 
I mean, I think to a certain degree it turns, you know, I mean, I think it's always important to point out this is a civil lawsuit against him. So I think the first thing you have to watch for is whether or not criminal charges get brought against him. Um, Because that will dictate some validity here, of course. Yeah, and I think that's a huge part of it because it is also important to note this is someone that didn't get a payment and is now blowing the world up. Sure. So does that mean that I'm dismissing her? Like, the most believable thing I've read in the last two weeks was that Vince McMahon has sex toys named after wrestlers. It's like, yeah, no, that's that was a free space. Like, of course, of course, he's going to have Lex Luber in there. But in terms of like what it does to his legacy, I mean, it's so there's also going to be an an element of like, did y'all really think he was a good guy? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm in the mode with Vince where it's like he built something that I enjoy. I never was in the camp that was like, I'm sure everything that has happened here has been by the sure. book. Like, I mean, you know, you, all the way from like the steroids trial where we got a lot of information about like things that he was doing. It's probably going to take a long time to determine what his legacy is, because if he is indeed guilty of some, if not all of like what he's being accused of. Well, like he's a true pariah, you know what I mean? Like he deserves to be in prison. But if we find out that it was another in a long list of probably sexual relationships that you shouldn't have had and that, you know, it went wrong. You know, then then it starts to become this guy literally took professional wrestling and sold it how many times for billions of I think he sold it officially three times now for he's turned it into whatever, like a. You know, at the end of the year, probably what a three billion dollar business when it's all said and done. Like he turned wrestling into that. He made wrestling a national enterprise rather than a regional. But I think it's always just gonna be complicated. And then it's always gonna be weird because it's like, do we really care about the legacy of the the guy who do we really care about the legacy of the guy who just made professional wrestling popular? Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, I, it doesn't seem like that's going to be something that the public really catches on with. The company's net worth based on something is $6.87 billion. Um, Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, again, not, not anything to do with his current case or the civil case against him. That's what I mean. But just in general, the steroids, all the stuff, I mean, that almost played into it in some ways in a positive way. You almost had to decide, do I like it? in spite of it or because of it. You know what I mean? Like that it is a little all over the place and whatever. Sure. I think it plays into him being like to this day, he's still the greatest heel we've ever seen in wrestling. Sure. Like we can do the whole stone cold thing. And he's, he's one of my favorites, just like everyone else out there. But what makes that story is just, it's you against the man and the despicable man and all the things that he was doing, the boss, like the, like that, all kind of played into it. It's like the there's nothing this guy wouldn't do. Like it plays into the kind of the character of Mr. McMahon. He's so good at it because it's a lot of his tendencies in real life, or was he that good of an actor? It's it's probably 
somewhere in the middle, but I think closer to its tendencies. Yeah. You still care I mean, on a week to week level? Uh week to week, no. I'm I'm now at the point where I watch the pay-per-views and then like kind of like I've I've been watching more like when you get to these dead periods where like we're in between football and really like locking in on basketball, I watch. And then when then in the summer, like I'll watch kind of weekly. But for the most part, I usually just kind of keep up with what's going on and then I watch the pay-per-views. What was your one wrestler growing up, Neil? Who's the dude? Ooh. I mean, probably Ric Flair, but okay. I mean, the ones that come to mind are like, and I'm a little older than you guys, obviously. Harley Race, Dusty Rhodes, the Junkyard Dog. Uh, I mean, I was all in on the Midnight Express versus the Rock and Roll Express. As a kid, I couldn't wait to see who was the assassin when he got unmasked. Um, uh, let's see, uh, Kamala, the Ugandan warrior, wildfire, Tommy rich. Like, this is the thing about wrestling. You can make fun of it all you want. It's fine. 80% of wrestling sucks. Like, I'm not even going to beat around the bush, but when it's good, yeah, there is nothing better when you get like. I got to know who the assassin. When you get a storyline that really works, it is pure theater and you can't turn away. It's I mean, I've told this story so many times, but I can vividly remember. I mean, I can't remember what I did yesterday sometimes, but I can vividly remember being at my grandmother's house in Monroe and watching on WTBS on Saturday night something that we had looked forward to all week, like nervously. Could Tommy Rich. No, it wasn't Tommy Rich. It was Teddy Atlas. Maybe it was Tommy Rich and Teddy Atlas. Could they, or Kevin Sullivan, somebody like that, could they beat the Russians for the world tag team title? And back then, you know, the we're still in the middle of the Cold War. I mean, the Russians, Russians were evil. This was before Rocky Balboa ended it. And uh, we might need him again. We might. But, <laughs> but man, I mean, like, that was... That was must-watch TV. You just, I couldn't wait. I mean, we were so excited when 505 rolled around. It was like, hey, we're turning the TV on. And, you know, it was a two-hour show. And that wrestling match, they didn't start it until there was like 12 minutes left in the show. So you knew that in the back of your mind, you knew the damn match wasn't going to be over when TV time expired. And it was going to be a cliffhanger. But you still were completely in it. And, and in those moments when... They were one pin away from you know, sending Nikita Koloff back to Siberia or whatever. You just, it was right there. It was, it was big. You're right. It, it was entertaining. And I mean, I still remember like, you know, you cheered either for or against Flair and you were either for or against Dusty Rhodes. And, you know, Harley Race was a heel, but God, he was great. Nobody could ever beat him and all that stuff. Arn and Ole Anderson, all that stuff. People make fun of it, but the fact that I can still talk about it. 40 years later tells you that it absolutely resonated. The one thing that I've liked in the last 10 years is we've gotten to a point where there is an appreciation of wrestlers because I think for so long, these guys lived hard, fast lives, died young, and they were just kind of forgotten. It does feel like, you know, with the addition of podcasting and, now that it's getting talked about more, but 
I think a lot of these guys have realized that they were appreciated and they're not just having to go and sit at some, you know, community center and sign autographs for, you know, 500 bucks, whatnot. Like, I do think there's an appreciation, but like to this whole point, part of what makes wrestling amazing. And now in this era, when we know everything, it's the kind of the blending of the lines. So on Monday, Drew McIntyre is this big monster and they've brought back CM Punk who let's just say when he was in the WWE, he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And Drew McIntyre is one of the ones that he rubbed the wrong way. And Punk has his big return in the Rumble and he tears his tricep, which is also a nice moment in time of like, if you need to know if you're washed, the first time you go back and you perform and you get hurt, it's a pretty good indicator that you're washed. But they they do not like each other. And Punk's coming to give this, you know, I'm not I'm not going to be able to go to Mania and whatnot. It's kind of like a, a sob fest promo. And McIntyre comes out and just you think at a certain point he's going to say, like, uh, you know, you and I don't see eye to eye, but I didn't wish this upon you. No, nah, he went the other way. <laughs> I'm not really a man of faith. But I prayed for this to happen. And it did. And now <laughs> I'm going to go live your dream on headline WrestleMania. And I'm just like, that's art. Like, that's truly art. It, is it still, I mean, it, it, is it still captivating to a decent percentage of like 10 year olds or 11 year olds or whatever year that, you know, wrestling took us on his childhood? I mean, is it still the same type of progression or is it just older soap opera now in the same way? Because I mean, I asked no one, whatever, but I mean, I was into it for a number of years. I probably stopped when I was 12, 13, when NWO was kind of coming through. Like, I remember before that, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and Yokozuna and all that stuff. But like... The life cycle of wrestling is you're usually into it until about 7th or 8th grade. Yeah. Then you're like, this is stupid. You kind of fall out. You don't really watch much in high school. And then kind of like right around the end of college, you kind of start to get back into it. There's really because you see it for what it actually is. It's a different viewing experience completely at that point. Almost like when you watch a movie as a kid and then you see that movie as an adult and go, oh, shit, I didn't know what that was about. Yeah. And there's kind of like a when you when you're getting into the world and you realize, though, they've been blowing smoke up your ass that you're the future, you're the future. And then you realize you don't matter and you're having to come to grips with that. You're like, all right, where's my where's my warm blanket? I still like wrestling. Like you turn wrestling on and it's like, it's your childhood and it kind of makes you feel good for a couple of hours. Uh, There's, there's that element. And then, you know, when I go to live, like if you go see wrestling live, the indicator is still, yes, it's still a, it's still a kid's event, but I don't, you know, I, I don't know if it's as, I don't know like what their demo breakdown. I know they're merch wise. They are very dependent on kids. Yeah, I don't know that I've seen a wrestling match in person since I was probably college or right after. They used to come to WCW or whatever it was at the time. Used to come to Tupelo, saw them back then. Little house show. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Do a little do a little Tupelo show occasionally. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know you got to go in a second, Jeffrey. I'm curious. Um, you talk a lot of NBA. You work mm-hmm. in an NBA market. What do you What do you anticipate happening or not happening with LeBron James over the next week? It certainly seems like he's given all the indicators that he's trying to get rid of the team. Now, what we've seen with the Lakers is 
they'll do some of the things that he wants to do, but they don't, they know that LeBron's not going to be there forever. So it doesn't feel like that they, they just drop everything and like completely reload for the sake of, all right, we don't really care what happens in the future. The big problem that they have is like they're they're in a similar spot to what they were last year, and I give them all the credit. Like they retooled on the fly and they they built a they built a pretty good team. They still just don't have assets. Like it, it's really tough for them to just completely reload. Yeah, for them to for those who don't follow it, the the Lakers right now are not a contender. LeBron James is 39 years old, and he's still playing well, but he jogs more than he used to. Anthony Davis is actually playing well, and they're still not a contender. They need wings. Wings are the most coveted asset in the NBA. For them to get wings, they're going to have to trade away all their assets. And if they do it, they probably still don't have enough to run through what's going to be a gauntlet in the West. And LeBron has at least hinted that he wouldn't mind being traded. The NBA trade deadline's like in a week, a little less than a week. See, I just think that's a leverage move by LeBron. You know, the All-Star game, I buy into that whole conspiracy theory. The All-Star game is in L.A. next year. Like, this is all building towards the 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 tour next year. Yeah, I mean, I don't anticipate they trade him, but I don't think they have the ability, and I think they'd be stupid if they tried it organizationally to go all in to try to give LeBron one more run at a title in a in a conference that includes a really good Timberwolves team, a Clippers team that when they're on is scary as hell, the defending champs and the Nuggets, and that's before you even get into like Phoenix starting to put it together, whatever the Thunder may be, the Kings. I mean, I can I can list a group of teams that I think could not only could but probably would beat the Lakers in a seven game series. And it also doesn't matter. Neil, he already won. he won the cup. Yeah, he did. He won the preseason cup, midseason cup. That's I just, a title. I just think how many how many cups does Jordan have? He doesn't have any. Never Damn won. Right. Kobe never won the cup. Never did. Michael Jordan never won the cup. Kareem? Nope. Any cups? No cups. Just you know, putting that out there. All right, I do have Father to run. Tom, Father Tom's yeah. catching it though, just a little bit. I give him credit. He's, oh no, it's he's, he's it's amazing for thirty nine. But enjoyed it, bud. We'll talk. All right, guys, be good. Thanks. See you. Speaking of uh, basketball, had it back up. We mentioned uh, we mentioned Palm yesterday or before. I don't know. It's kind of all running together. Lenardi came out with his bracket seventeen hours ago. So prior to last night's game. Um, Florida would be on a different line, obviously, now. They are a, a next four out team as of okay. yesterday. Um, again, Everybody uh, Oregon, Kansas State, Florida, and Butler. Do what? Everybody wants to disrespect my Gators. Just It's 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 hard to watch it without really getting vocal and upset about it. I'm, I'm, you took quite the victory lap on the board last night, I will say. you, you I, just, I just had a little fun. I mean, the whole the whole – Outrage Sunday Monday. Crap. You didn't. Yeah. You, you didn't anticipate six months ago that you were going to be uh, media wise linked to Todd Golden for a basketball season, did you? That, that, <laughs> no, you I didn't did have not. that one on your bingo card. I did not. <laughs> I did not. You know, no. Just uh, like, I, hey, like I told people. I mean, maybe more than any other sport, 
if 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 I'm if, if I'm cheering for Ole Miss, it's probably more in basketball than in anything else because a deep basketball run could potentially get me out of two, maybe three weeks of spring football. Oh, there you go. And you so like the I, tournament. It gets you out of spring football. It's good for business. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it, All that stuff. And, and I, I mean, I could potentially miss three weeks of spring football covering a coach who very clearly despises spring football every bit as much as the media who covers so it. So you would rather have a Sweet 16 than a college football playoff berth? Uh, No. No. <laughs> the answer is no. No. <laughs> but I would rather have a, a Sweet 16 than a Grove Bowl. I can tell you okay. that. Fair enough. Uh, you know, Lenardi. Hey, so would Lane Kiffin. Yes. Lenardi puts this thing out, and again, he just does it every week. And I'm sure it gets massive numbers because you're talking about 80 programs that have some interest in this thing at least. So I oh, get sure. why ESPN does it. But I don't know if you could do one that's more obsolete off one night because I kind of like when Palm comes out with his on like Sunday where it has some staying power for a couple days. Um, Lenardi does this last night and like he had Memphis one of the last four buys that's over now because they lose it right they lose to Rice last night and then Florida would be jumped up lines at this point like it's all jumbled in a day where you go yeah okay this means literally absolutely nothing um Ole Miss in this bracket is sitting on the nine seed line he has them playing Michigan State in an eight nine game in the first round so probably if you see the tournament today that's probably about right um he has Carolina after the win at Tennessee, an eight seed play a nine seed TCU in the first round. The winner of that game would get UConn in a second round game. By the way, I want to say this because I don't I don't agree with this this way they do it, but the way the computers do it, I've had some people ask me, so Ole Miss is 18 and three. Why are the why is their net in the 50s? And the answer, as maddening as I understand it to be, I get it. I get why this pisses people off. It's you played a bunch of teams that right now they're nets in the 200s, and those were close games. Had you blown out those teams by 35 points, your net right now would be in the 30s, the 20s. But the, because you didn't, you're paying for those minutes. The computer now. is acting like you were even with Detroit Mercy that night. Yes. And so it's way. having, it's messing up the equation. And I get why for fans, who are just locked in on one team, I completely understand how that I is. I think mad. what's going to happen, though, if you'll just get to your 10 wins, you're in, and like, and what you're seeing with the bracketology right now, where Palm, I think, had him on the eight line, Lenardi's got him on the nine line, is that you're going to be that team on Selection Sunday. Now, look, your net's going to continue to get better because you're just going to play good teams the rest of the way outside of Missouri and the train wreck that the Tigers are. But I think you're going to be that team that when they're putting the thing up, you're going to be a line or two higher than your net says you're supposed to be because there are humans looking at it going, I, okay, just put them right there. This is what yeah, it's why my answer to most of the emails is just let it play out, which I know and is some probably- dude in Dubuque is going, oh my God, old Mrs. Nets 52. How are they at eight seed? And you're going, well, it's just, yeah, yeah. it's because what yeah, happened right. is, you know, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what's coming. I think if, if, I mean, the big question is, and I don't know the answer because you can't answer it in a vacuum. What is the difference between nine SEC wins and 10 SEC wins? I don't know. They might still get in with nine SEC wins. Mm-hmm. You know, with Well, 10, the 10th win requires that extra big win, though. You know what I mean? Like, that's part yeah. of the thing is I can get them to nine beating Missouri twice, Carolina at home, and A&M at home. 
Yeah, that's not. Well, 10 gets you to, hey, they beat Alabama or they beat Auburn. Yeah. Are they one in Lexington? You know what I mean? Whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know. I'm yeah. just saying, yeah. are you one in Columbia? Or even, I mean, here's the problem for Ole Miss is I can even get them to 10 and the other win is at Athens. And you go, they got 10, but who the hell did they beat? Yeah, like, no, it's where, where your big win is is Mississippi at A&M. State. Yeah, at A&M. You know, I mean. And Florida at home. All jokes yeah, aside. Right now, it looks like a pretty good win. I mean, so. But I still, I mean, I still maintain it's just, and I get this is not great podcast, and it's certainly when a fan's all worked up and they want fire and brimstone when you're like, just let the it shoulder play Shoulder shrug and go, I don't know. Let it play out. You know, I mean. If you get to 10 wins, you're in. It's going to be seeding, whatever. Um, you know, I mean, those those early games against Sam Houston State and those kind of teams when they were kind of trying to figure it out and it was new and they a team that had done a lot of losing was trying to figure out how to win. Those games were close. And like you've said so many times, ball was in the air a couple of times where, like, it, if it lands, you lose. And. The computers view those as almost a loss and the way that they do the formula. And so that's that is what it is. It, you is play it Auburn at home on Saturday, win the game, get to six and three in the SEC, and go. Oh, there. I mean, look, if they win, if they win Saturday, you start you start talking about can this team work its way up to the five seed, to a six seed. We start having I mean, our podcast on Monday, if Ole Miss wins on Saturday evening, is a completely different. Yeah, you look at it and go, okay, they got six. Now here's two and here's three and here's four and here's well, five. Well, now you start yeah, going, yeah, can yeah. you get to a can you get to eleven? Yeah. Can you can you work your way into a, a double buy? Um, you know, I mean, can you work your way to a five seed, a six seed in the tournament? Can do you have a is there a path to a second weekend? That's, They're metrically underdogs in the next three games. It'll tell us a lot. Yes. 100%. Because they're at Carolina and at Kentucky after this. And and look, South Carolina has played really good basketball, both home and away. They have. South Carolina went – their last two road games, they went to Arkansas and blew them out. And I know everybody goes, well, Arkansas sucks. I get it. Kentucky didn't go to Arkansas and blow them out. Kentucky went to Arkansas and the damn thing came down to the final couple of minutes. Um, and then they go to Tennessee and win which for them is a big, bright, shiny star on the top of the term. Oh, paper. that's just a massive. And so, you know, I mean, that's uh, that's going to be a dip. They're playing with a ton of confidence. And then you got to go to Rupp, and who the hell knows, man? I mean, who knows? Kentucky, sometimes Kentucky can get to a place where playing at home is a bad thing. Yeah. And they they might not be far from that. Um, but they're talented, and that's a hard place to go play and a hard place to win and all of that stuff. But, yeah, it, it, look, if if Ole Miss could win one of these next three games, that's six and five, and you come home and you play Missouri at home, and that should get you to seven. And if you're There's seven, not another guarantee loss the rest of the way. If you're seven and five going into the final third of the SEC where you still have Texas A&M at home, uh, at Missouri – at Georgia, at Georgia, forgettable by the day. There's a there's a path to 
go in the national. You get a big marquee, and you get a huge marquee opportunity game on on your floor against the Tide, who's going to have a gaudy SEC record at the time. Yeah, and they're weird away from home. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's – but, again, I mean, it's that whole thing of, isn't this fun? Because this time a year ago, when on February the 1st, I don't know what the hell we talked about, but it wasn't the it NCAA wasn't this. It was probably Chris Beard. We didn't talk about the NCAA tournament on February the 1st last year or the year before or the year before that. I mean, it's been it's been a minute. So, just, you know, mo- and, and, and hey, to most 99.9% of Ole Miss fans are just absolutely enjoying it, as you should. This is fun. College basketball is fun when your team is relevant. Um, Chris Beard, if he wins a golf more, might get greedy. But today, I think he would sign up for Lenardi's bracket any day of the week because you get Michigan State, a name team that you can beat. They're down this year for the Spartans. Yeah. And then uh, your one seed would be Carolina. Of the four, that is the one you would beg for in the, uh, 100%. In the second round. Outside 100%. of Houston, UConn, or Purdue. 100%. That 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 fourth one seed's a little flat here. Like, it's, it's, it's gettable. For well, I mean, Jeffrey makes a good point, and I completely agree with him. I mean, outside of Houston and UConn, there's no team that you watch and go – I don't know, man. I don't know that I don't know that Team X couldn't beat them on a hot night. Like you can play your best basketball game, shoot the lights out, and still lose to Connecticut by 10. Um, well, I mean, Providence kind of did that last night. They played a good game and got beat. Yes. Um Saturday, interesting day, actually, inside the SEC. Ole Miss and Auburn, huge game, 5 o'clock there on the uh, the SEC network. I have not turned on ESPN's thing to see from metrically what it says that it's, it's supposed to be. Um, Arkansas at LSU is kind of whatever at this point. Um, LSU can get back to 500 in the league. They're 3-4 and four right now, 11-9 and nine overall, but they're completely out of the NCAA picture. Uh, South Carolina with a big opportunity to get to 7-2 and two in the SEC. They're in Athens on Saturday. Oh. Kind of a must win for Georgia if they have any hope at all at this point. Um really nice. postseason in general, NIT, NCAA, whatever you want to talk about. There for the uh the Bulldogs, yeah. Missouri and yeah. Vanderbilt. I'm glad they play each other so we can just get that out of the way. Just go play each other. We'll avoid you. We'll ignore you. Hey it works for me because on, on Sunday when I rank the SEC, whoever loses that game is 14. Whoever wins it there is you 13. Go. Arkansas's 12. This is, gets easier now. So it's see? a play-in game in Neil's picks right now. It's a or play-in for... game for 10 weekend thoughts to be number 13. Okay. Uh, this is a key one. Florida's in College Station on Saturday. Oh, that's a, and that's a good game. No, that's no, a good game. I like that's that a, one. And that's one if you're Texas A&M, you got to go get. You got to get it. You do. A&M sitting at three and four in the SEC. Got to get it. Got to get that one. Uh, speaking of the Wildcats, no guarantee, and this is their home home week. Both games at home this week. They lose to Florida. The Vols are in town on Saturday. Oh, coming off a loss. Mm-hmm. Kind of pissed off. This is a hellaciously good day of SEC basketball. Like, there's some good stuff on who, Saturday. Who does State have? They're in Tuscaloosa. Weird spot for the oh. Bulldogs here because they're going to lose three and six. Three and six. Ooh. At some See, that's point, what I said. I, I I thought it wasn't resigned, but I could almost tell Chris Jans on Tuesday was kind of doing math in his head and kind of going, ooh. Just, just, it's, is that it felt like he knew Alabama was up next and you went, man, in a, in a bad spot here. This isn't, this isn't good. You know, and last year, like, was it Arkansas that got in despite being mm-hmm. eight and 10? 
Yeah. So, I mean, there's some precedent, and State's got good metrics. But, yeah, he's probably doing math in his head going, I've got to go at least five and four and probably six and three in the back half. And in this league, that's that's a hard slog. He's got to win. Uh, okay, let's say he's got to get to – you think he's got to get to nine? What do you think he's got to get to? I mean, I think he's probably – to feel safe about it, he's got to get to nine. I mean, Arkansas last year – got in at 8 and 10. But if you went and looked at their schedule in November and December, A, they had some wins, and B, their losses were all against like top 20 teams. He's probably okay. Their schedule is pretty soft. Um, So they play Alabama. We're going to give them a loss, 3 and 6. So they can't lose more than 3 the rest of the way. Let's do it that way. Okay. Um, Georgia at home. At Missouri. Win. Arkansas at home. Win. Ole Miss at home. Probably a win. And then can he get two of these five at LSU? Yeah. Kentucky at home. Probably not. At Auburn. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe at home. Yeah. At Auburn. No. At AM. Probably not. Which would come down to they would have to make the NCAA tournament by beating South Carolina on their home floor on the last day of the season. Won't be, won't be easy. Skin of teeth. Those last four are tough. Kentucky, Auburn, A&M, South Carolina with the middle two on the road. But you stumble once in those other games. Like you oh, stumble. I mean, I, I mean, let Ole Miss get you at home and it's the dagger and it's over. It's over and that's that could happen. I mean, lose to a LSU team that just shoots really well one night. Lose to an Arkansas team that suddenly doesn't have all the people that are causing the drama mm-hmm. around and they're playing loose, you know? I mean – Shit happens. It's basketball. You see it all the time. Get a you bad whistle say, one night and you're in foul trouble and it's over. That that or have an injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, just you know, like of all the games you just said, I mean, like, yeah, the Missouri one, that's that's a gimme, but the rest, I mean, they probably beat LSU. They probably beat Arkansas. I mean, almost certainly, but it's not certain. So that's your SEC slate. Really good. If you're doing a time standpoint on uh, on this, the games of note that I find pretty fascinating, starting at 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock is the Florida game at A&M. 5 o'clock is Ole Miss and Auburn at the Pavilion. Again, 5 o'clock, 18-3, and 5-3 Ole Miss, 17-4, and 6-2 Tigers. And then both the other two games are at 7-30, one on ESPN, one on SEC Network. That's Tennessee at Kentucky and Mississippi State at Alabama on Saturday. Oh, that's so. a pretty, pretty good day. I mean, that's that's pretty good. It's pretty interesting program. I'm going to guess Auburn's like a three and a half point favorite over Ole Miss on Saturday, something like that. Yeah, it's probably right. Home court probably going to be worth three to four points. Yeah, four and a half. Auburn minus four and a half. Mm-hmm. I won't be shocked at all if Ole Miss wins. That that environment's going to be crazy, and it's it's. It's not a free shot, but it's as close to a free shot as you. You earned your way to play loose by getting the other wins and go, hey, yeah. we won we we won this segment of the schedule already. You know, and as long as they don't have one or two of those four minute segments where you're just turning the ball over, just turning it over, you're gonna be in it. And this team has proven that it's pretty gritty in the final minutes. Kind of, they they have a clutch gene, and I'm not one that typically believes in a lot of that stuff, but they 
they have some guys that kind of play fearless at the end, including Brakefield, Morell, obviously Jalen Murray. I mean, there's some guys that are seven and zero in games decided by five or fewer. Guys who aren't afraid to take shots. So it's, and you know, Flanagan wants to kind of redeem himself a little bit, and they're yeah, because he's too hyped up over there. He was, he was, and he expected that. The crowd was all over him, and he he was probably hearing it. And it'll be a different different voices this time around. And I mean, look, you you you, if you're Chris, you're not you're not exactly having to get your team's attention for this one. I mean, you're not having to bring them back down to earth. You can just show the film. They see it. They know what happens if you play badly against this team. If you play sloppy against this team, you lose. You, you got to. You got to turn it up, and I anticipate that they will. And um, Auburn has not been the same team away from home, and I don't know that you, I don't know that there's a button Bruce can push to suddenly make them that team away from home. If Auburn loses to Ole Miss on Saturday, they'll be one in three in their last four SEC games, but all three on the road. They lost to Bama and Mississippi State on the road. Got a win at home against Vanderbilt, and now Ole Miss. So they had a they had a, they had a quadrant of the schedule here that is four, three at three road games and four games overall. It's but just we'll see. Yeah, they, the, the game against Tusc- against Alabama, they had a lead. It got away. Um, the game against Mississippi State was just super low scoring most of the, the whole first half. And then the second half kind of went back and forth. And State made the plays down the stretch, and Auburn didn't. Mm-hmm. So it'll be fun. Uh, got uh, at least one more podcast from an Oxford Exxon podcast coming your way. That will be tomorrow. Um, we have uh, some more stuff coming. Uh, yeah. Some- a hand raised guys to some extent, um, not live recorded, but a hand raised guys coming. And then if you're uh, from Mississippi and just kind of curious, I talked to Gerard Gibbert yesterday about the uh, Amazon Web Services data center coming to Mississippi, a $10 billion project that's going to bring in around a thousand jobs at minimum. That is up on the network as well as uh, Gerard, who has a long standing professional history in data management and, and 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 companies, as he was the owner of Venture Technologies for a number of years from 1986 to 2019. So, uh, again, that up at mpwdigital, In the meantime, got a little more coming there from Keith later today, and then uh, whatever else prior to Saturday and Ole Miss and Auburn, five o'clock again from the pavilion on that. So, thanks to Jeffrey. I know he had a tight schedule today, so I appreciate his time as always. And we will talk to you again soon.